Welcome to Cascade Conversations. Join the team at Cascade Partners and their network of trusted advisors as they work to demystify details, terminology, and strategies in the world of acquisitions, divestitures, and financings. So welcome to another Cascade Conversation. Joining me today is Liz Sullivan, partner with McDonald Hopkins, and she leads their healthcare and their healthcare compliance uh, efforts. So Liz, thanks for joining us in another conversation. And I think today we want to spend a little bit of time with everybody's favorite topic, compliance uh, and regulatory matters. But it's so important when folks are looking at what are they going to do next? How are they going to grow? Whether it's acquiring another practice, right? Uh, building out your own clinical operations or even potentially exploring a sale. Many times people are thinking about this at the end, and I know you're a huge advocate and a strong proponent of doing that work up front, but, but where do you think practically, if someone's beginning to look on that next, hey, where are we going to go from here, where do they really need to focus from a compliance and regulatory perspective on, on the healthcare side? Sure. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be, glad to be here chatting about this topic, which is, you know, one of, <laughs> one of my favorite topics. Um, I think it's really important to for any organization that's thinking about potentially growth, whether that's their own growth, um, growth through acquisition or a transaction, um, to really think about what the implications could be of um, an unrecognized compliance issue. And a compliance issue could be, we could be talking about a billing issue. Maybe it's um, a, a manner of billing, whether it's, and when I think about compliance, I'm thinking about, um, some error that's over, it's an overpayment, that so they're receiving an overpayment, but I think as a practical matter, it could certainly be a billing error that's an underpayment that might be to the benefit of the organization. Um, it can also be uh, business arrangements, how they're set up, and it may be something completely innocent, but the documentation is not consistent with what would be expected from a Stark perspective or an anti-kickback perspective. Um, and those are probably the most significant areas that we see come up in diligence of a transaction or we see when an organization gets larger, maybe they're having a wonderful year, um, there's a lot of significant billing and they end up on the radar of a payer or they end up on the radar of a government payer. Um, so I would say those are probably the two areas that we tr recommend focusing on. There's certainly permitting and all sorts of other compliance, right. right? It's a highly regulated industry, so there's no question that there's many, many areas. But I think those are probably the most significant areas. And, and there are two areas that can be really intimidating for organizations. So sometimes those, uh, those areas aren't provided maybe as much attention as others because they are intimidating. Um, HIPAA data privacy is another area that's important for compliance. And I think there are a lot of solutions out there that organizations can utilize and help them get a, get their arms around their current operations, maybe where they have some exposure. Um, but yeah, those are probably the areas that we think about the most when we're you know working with an organization, whether they're operating, looking to um, looking to grow, or you know maybe getting ready for a transaction or thinking about selling. Well, and I know a billing audit, we've chatted about billing audits, that they're a really important tool, whether you're considering a transaction or not. How often are you seeing your clients actually kind of as a normal part of their operation doing a periodic billing review? And, and why can that be 
advantageous to them regardless if they're they're looking to grow or transact or what have you? It's a great question. I mean, I will say honestly, I wish that we saw more billing audits. Um, but that said, I mean, we do have some we have some clients that are um, you know they're large enough that they may um, take on the expense of a third party audit. Uh, we have a lot of organizations that do internal audits, which is great. I mean, the gold standard is always going to be that independent audit for a number of reasons. Um, partially just because you kind of got somebody who's fresh set of eyes, um, also doesn't necessarily have the same historical perspective. So they might be able to identify things that maybe the rest of the organization wouldn't as an internal audit. And then depending on what the results of the audit are, that third-party audit um, can sort of stand alone and is viewed differently when you're looking at a payer or you're looking at um, a government entity to say, well, this was a third party that right. helped us. Hey, we thought we were doing it right. We had somebody else help us tell us. Yes. Right. We might have done it wrong, but gosh, we did all the right things to try to do it the right way. Absolutely. Right. Committed to compliance, really in tune with trying to do the right thing. And I think those are all additional factors from an optic standpoint that are helpful if for some reason that audit comes back with something that is not not ideal. Again, I would also say, I mean, you know, we always are going to encourage providers to do that third party, party audit. Um, maybe every few years you do internal audits, utilize your internal team to do those audits on a more regular basis. Um, but we do have some organizations that are smaller and maybe just haven't thought about it. Uh, and there really is a benefit, as we were chatting about. I mean, there there is a business benefit to doing it, right? Because you may find out, um, you may get bad news, right? That maybe there's something that can be improved, um, or maybe there was something that was overlooked, but you can also get good news. You can find out that um, maybe... You're right? underbilling. Exactly. There's an opportunity to improve and capture more revenue. Right, and and we talked about that as we were talking about billing audits. I mean, it sounds like you know we've seen that where there are groups that um, you know could actually increase um, what their their productivity and what they're doing just by changing how they're billing. And, and given the complexity, I mean, healthcare is an extraordinarily complex, regulated environment. When you've seen issues come up. Is it the end of the world? I mean, is it killing deals? I mean, I, I know we've worked through it, but I'd love your perspective on, on, on helping kind of assure that it's it's not the end of the world. Yes. No, absolutely. I mean, that's a great question. I'm glad that you asked that so we can talk about it. It's not the end of the world. Um, every transaction where we've identified a billing issue, and I know we'll maybe talk a little bit more focused on compliance issues, it, it is not something that has been a deal killer. Um, you know, there's the chance that it could change sort of the valuation in the deal, which is why it's so important to do it, be proactive about it, because you want to know, you want to try and correct that, and you want to know what you're going into, and sort of not be caught flat-footed when you're in the middle of a transaction. Um, but at the end of the day, it's something that, you know, we've never been in a situation where it's built a deal. It might make things take a little bit longer. Um, it might create a lot of frustration for everyone. It might create more duplication if that's when it's recognized because you've got all of these parties involved that are now looking at it, asking questions, you know, coming up with um, different perspectives. But it's, it is not something that we've seen. Much, much easier to, 
much easier to handle if you figure it out before, yeah, right? Because it's just you and your attorney working through it as right. opposed to you, your attorney, the buyer, and the buyer's attorney. Absolutely. Um, all looking at it because they're, they're worried about that liability. But um, again, because it's so regulated and it is complex, people of all walks in life have violations and issues. It's just how you manage through and, and address it. But yeah. you know, if we can figure it out ahead of time, the scale and scope, there's no value in getting all the way through a deal process and getting into diligence and then finding out there's an issue. And the issue is so big or undefined, right? Right. You were kind of talking about the difference between kind of anti-kickback versus stark issues. And yep. the order of magnitude wasn't as much an issue, but the length of time right. to resolve those self-disclosures. Right. Right. Could yeah. could be make it uneconomical to do a transaction because the seller's got the liability no matter what. Right, right. And that's such a good point that I was going to come back to because when we were chatting, you made that point. And it's true. I mean, at the end of the day, right, as an organization, if the seller is billing, um, you know, whether it's under payer contracts or whether it's, you know, as a participant in a government program, there are obligations, there are rules. And every time you submit a claim, you're basically certifying that you're in compliance, which means that Maybe this comes out in the context of a transaction through diligence, but that obligation existed either way, right? So whenever it's discovered, it's something that needs to be addressed. And if you can do it where it's, um, you know, you're not in a position where you've got a buyer, you've got another party, you've got another set of attorneys that are looking at it, also have opinions, um, then that gives, right? It gives you the opportunity to say, okay, I want to take a step back. I've gotten my third-party experts. I'm evaluating the situation. This is what I, what we believe the issue to be. This is how we believe we want to correct the issue. And so, you know, even again, kind of focusing on the billing side of things. I mean, is it a repayment? You know, is it a self-disclosure? You know, there there are different pathways depending on the fact pattern. And if it's you and your counselors, you can sort of make that decision outside of the context of the transaction. When we are in the middle of a transaction, you know, the a buyer, exactly. And the buyer may say, Hey, if we're going to go forward, this is how we want you to resolve it. And that may mean paying, you know, that may be a different calculation. It may be a different method of repayment or reporting. And so it is really to your point, it's best to get out in front of it, be able to deal with it, you know, sort of independently from that, that situation with those additional voices. Um, it just gives more flexibility and, you know, a provider and organization can feel like they're sort of in control in those decisions and they're making the right decision for themselves, not just for purposes of the transaction. Well, and when, and when you help us define it and, and quantify it, right, that gives us the ability to negotiate and structure it into the transaction, whether that's figuring out how to carve the liability out and set it aside Right, whether it's getting insurance in, in probably fewer cases or creating the indemnification profile that, that really manages that risk and lets it stay contained. You know, many places we've had where we've kind of gone to our clients and said, look, you have the liability, right? Um, right? And, and in a transaction, right, the liability, what happened before closing is the sellers and what's after it. And saying, now at least you have proceeds in which to pay this, right. this fee yeah. That otherwise you'd have to come out of pocket, right? Right, but you, you got to make sure you're structuring it. There's enough yeah. enough dollars available, um, and and I think you said something at the beginning where we've often helped 
thought was helpful for our clients. When you're doing those audits and you're keeping that documentation, yeah. it actually gives assurances to the potential buyer, or if you're looking at doing an acquisition, being able to compare and contrast to know, oh, we're in compliance, so as we adopt, how do we get them in compliance or make sure they're in compliance or know, oh, we might have a potential liability because we know what our documentation says That's and what right. we're supposed to do. And when you're going to a buyer, it just says, oh, no, we follow the process well, right? Because yeah. everything that you give the buyer assurance, I often remind people, right? Sellers are optimists, we're doing everything right. <laughs> and and buyers are cynics, they're doing everything wrong till proven otherwise. And so this helps create that comfort level and ease around that conversation. That's such a good point. I mean, I think that idea of comfort, trust, um, sort of the positive optics that go with documentation and sort of being proactive, I mean, not only is it helpful in the context of a transaction and sort of giving that comfort um, to a buyer or knowing what you're looking for as the buyer when you're looking at a seller. But it's sort of, I mean, it's essentially the same with payers and with the government, right? Being able to show that work, like show your work, not look like, oh, no, we just figured it out. You know, deer in the headlights, we're dealing with it immediately. We're being reactive. I mean, being able to show um, proactivity, I guess, uh, really is beneficial, right? The government expects providers to have compliance plans in place and that those are operating at all times and that, you know, things things are always sort of being continuously improved. As a practical matter, that's hard to do, right? Everybody's doing their job. They're doing their day-to-day -day work. They're caring for patients. They're giving high-quality care. And you have all these other, you know, regulations and compliance requirements and responsibilities that are out there. So sometimes it's hard to maintain that compliance program, but that's an expectation. So anything you're doing to document it and have that and be able to show that work is really beneficial, not only in the context of a transaction, but with the government as well. Right. And, and, and that's the dynamic. I mean, the regulations <laughs> only get bigger, right? So your ability to stay on top of them. Right. And no, you know, the rule that, that you used to work under five years ago might not be the same rule today. Because the rules are evolving and they're changing and your, your ability to stay on top of that and keep routine, like quality of care, right? Care standards are changing. Right. Your physician teams are staying on top of that. you got to have your operational team staying on top of what's the best practice and, and recording and tracking and reporting on it. Right. So often, you know, we get a lot of, when we're working with more entrepreneurial physician practices and um, other entrepreneurial clinical operations, oftentimes they're coming to us going, well, why do we need all this? We've been operating just fine for all these years without an issue. Why is all of a sudden the buyer making an issue? What is, what is some of the driver? Why are folks, you know, why are the buyers looking at this? Why is it such a big issue <laughs> when these folks are thinking, hey, this was never an issue before? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... You know, we've always done it this way and everything's been fine. Also, everybody else in the industry is doing it and we can't keep up unless we do it. I mean, we hear that so frequently. And that's probably one of the biggest challenges of the compliance side of things. And, and part of our job is saying, you know, just because everybody's doing it or just because it's always been done doesn't mean, you know, that it's going to work. And so I think to your point, right, we also have a lot of clients who bill and they say, well, I got paid. So it must be fine, back to that point that you're making. And, um, you know, generally a payer, if they look at a claim and it's clean, they're going to pay it. 
and they'll just audit later. That's that's kind of so you can't assume that. And I think when you're when you're looking at a situation as a seller, and you might have been, um, you know, might have been a an organization, maybe you're joining a larger platform, right? Or you're joining a huge organization that sort of has a robust compliance plan. Maybe the reason that that organization has a robust compliance plan is because they've already been through this with the government. Maybe, you know, there are some situations where, you know, they're actually working with the government on their compliance on an ongoing uh, basis. And so I think for an organization that's always sort of been able to operate in a certain fashion, but is being told now, we'd like to see you do it a different way, or our expectations are different about how you've operated, we view this differently in a, in a buyer situation. That may be, um, it may be because of past experience, and you know, you made a really good point as we were chatting, it could very well be just because the platform's bigger, which means the target's bigger, right? There's more chance, whether it's just the size of the organization, right. the amount of services provided, uh, the dollars that are being paid to the organization are associated with the various uh, providers within the organization. All of those things are going to increase the potential for an audit, private payer or government audit, or even a government investigation. I mean, I know we've been kind of focused on the billing side and the auditing, but there is, you know, there's the investigation side of right. things too, um, you know, which can be civil, can be criminal. And that all of those things, right, everyone who's sort of tasked with looking for fraud, waste, and abuse, whether they're in a private payer or whether they're in the government, the larger you are, the more opportunity there is, right, for something to something to go wrong. And, and if it's, you know, the impact in a larger organization is a larger mistake. So, sure. um, you know, we often, I think that's often what we tell. It's like, hey, single practice might not be on the radar screen, but, right. you know, 50 practices has got a greater shot of being on the radar screen of whoever is going to audit. And when you have these complex arrangements that exist between uh, ancillary services and different groups, uh, and then you start crossing state lines, right? The, right? the level of scrutiny goes up. And so Absolutely. what might have been great for you operating for the last 15 years won't work as right. part of a much, much, much larger platform. And Absolutely. We're often trying to guide clients through that dynamic of, here are the rules. You got to follow the rules, even though you think, hey, I've never had an issue in, in the past. It ends up being something that right. folks have to look at. Right. And just, again, kind of a plug to circle back to um, where we started this idea of being proactive. You know, when you think about that situation, um, there it does impact, right? If you do it proactively and you learn you learn something about your organization or your operations that you want to change, whether it's billing, whether it's some other compliance as compliance aspect, whether it's the way that you're contracting, the way that you're employing folks or paying folks, whether it's um, you know different types of business arrangements, whether it's HIPAA, all of those things, right? If if you do it on the front end and figure out kind of what works for you, it's not a surprise when you go through a transaction and say we need to change a few of your operations. We need to change this or we need to change that. And so I think that's helpful too, because um, we made this point earlier, right? Or knowledge is power, right? Making those decisions is going to help. People will feel more in control. Um, you know, maybe able to give more insight or feedback or think about what does it mean to join? What am I changing? Or what have I already changed? 
you know, so that my business operations are more consistent. Maybe they won't be as impacted by that large platform if that ultimately is what, um, you know, an organization is doing or practice is doing. Well, and, and whether I'm joining or becoming <laughs> the new large platform, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm creating the super group. We often work with, with, uh, with physician shareholders as they explore you know, in this environment, it's a very active environment. What are their options? Sure. And when we talk to them about, you know, you have the ability, they have the ability to execute the exact same play the private equity guys are doing, right? They have the ability to bring their management team, grow them, they're very successful wire practices, but they have the same scrutiny and the same issues, right? As they Absolutely. grow and become, going from a single, you know, practice with 10 or 15 providers to a you know, a very large group with 100, 150 providers, they are going to get on the radar screen. Absolutely. Right, of payers and the government and investigators. And they have to have good, tight processes um, in order to make sure they're doing current standards, current requirements, current expectations. Absolutely. I mean, that is such a good point. And I, 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 I hope in those instances, right, are already starting to think through all of the things that are going to be required to make that platform um, successful, which are absolutely right. I mean, we we have gone through diligence before where, you know, one of the stark requirements relates to um, how you are compensating your physicians and making sure that designated health services, which would be something like a lab, something that the physician can generate the order for, can be done within the practice. Um, but you have to be very careful how that is allocated from a compensation standpoint. And, you know, we'll get into diligence. The contract will say, we only compensate you on personally performed work. It does not include designated health services. But as we speak with the organization, it might turn out that maybe not everybody appreciated what was DHS, what was that designated health service. And so it gets maybe into the compensation somewhere and we have to figure that out. And so... To your point of this idea of building that platform and having those controls in place, you know, if it's if it's a if it's a process that's sort of automatic that can be vetted that somebody is looking at it, it's a it's much more likely to be success than sort of assume that everybody understands the requirements and has the same grasp on those details because you know it's just it's one of those things that you mentioned this when you were talking about sort of sellers, right? We're doing everything right. I mean, I think that there is a thought oftentimes in a transaction or, you know, it's all positive. It's like, okay, we've got the smartest people. We're joining two fantastic organizations, three fit, whatever it may be. We've all got this figured out. The sky's the limit. Not everybody might be operating in that same fashion. So for someone who is, you know, for an organization that's going to scale, it is important to have, those protections in place, make it, you know, automatic. And hopefully it's not anything that anybody needs to spend extra time thinking about down the road. Well, and, and I think the key is you said it in your details matter, mm-hmm. right? You might have a documented one way, but if you're actually not doing what your documentation says, yes. because folks farther down the, the, the team, yeah, that's where, so it's, it's not just, Hey, do we have good documentation? We have good intent. Yes. It's okay. Practically and pragmatically, what are you really doing? Yes. That matters just as much. Right. And, and getting folks through that can be an element. Absolutely. I mean, I think, <laughs> uh, dare I go back to being, uh, you know, the compliance person and rah-rah for being proactive, but that's a perfect example of, you know, an organization might get a great document and they spent the time and the effort and somebody spent, 
time away from clinical to learn and understand that area, get that document ready. So when it gets rolled out the first few times, there's no need to go back to the attorney or, you know, whomever was helping with it, but maybe then that person gives, you know, that responsibility. So, you know, there's changes in leadership, there's, you know, things happening. And so the next person comes into that role, maybe it's a physician, depending on the size of the practice, maybe it's an administrator. They come in, they don't appreciate necessarily what's in there. Nobody's kind of going back to their law firm or their attorney talking through that. So it is important to have a dialogue and say, these are the things that we're building. This is, you know, we're building out this ancillary service line or we're joining, you know, we've got these new folks joining. We want to tweak this, that, or the other about their arrangement. It is important to go back to your counsel or your, I will or say, even any of your advisors. You're, you're right. Yes. Uh, no you, questions. And so. there was an environment <laughs> of, of unprecedented of turnover and changing in staff. Yeah. I mean, if there's ever a time that folks should go back and look, right. today's the environment because the yep. team that you had doing billing or the team that you had doing all the payroll data has changed. And are they up to speed on the current and what your practice is saying? This right. is the right thing that can really matter. That's such a good point. I think you're right. The practical thing to do, right, is go back to the documentation. If there's any question about it, if someone doesn't understand what's in there, it's worth asking. You know, where, whatever that means, billing consultants, etc whomever, you know, accountants, whatever it is, but make sure that you are going back to the documentation to your point. And if somebody doesn't understand it, whoever's in charge of it, ask the question. It's worth it. It could, it, it can truly save a great deal of money, legal expense, resources, sleep, you know, <laughs> sleepless nights. So it's, it's important. Well, Liz, yeah. thank you very much for taking the time again, Absolutely. sharing your insight. And perspective, and thank you for joining us on another Cascade Conversation. Thank you.